0: You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. All right, well, I'm going to talk to you for a little bit again today. Uh, It was a little bit of a surprise to me um, that I was not done with this. Probably you've heard that before. But I want to talk to you about the peace of God again. Uh, today we've spent a couple of weeks on this, and um, you know if we at this actually I've got like five places to start going on in my head right now. This it was interesting because you know those of you have been here the last couple of weeks we've been talking about this a piece that passes understanding, piece that doesn't make any sense to our heads, and that that part of what God has provided for us in Christ is this sense of peace. And it's, it's not just based, in fact, it, it isn't at all based on all of our circumstances being good because they almost never are, number one. Uh, but, but what he has given us is, it's described as, number one, it is a peace, a condition of peace between God and man. And we can step into that through our faith in Christ. And it is, it is genuinely a supernatural heart peace. It is an inward sense of peace on the inside. And and so we can go through all kinds of things and still have this peace in our heart. And our, we've, we've looked at scriptures last week, we looked at Colossians chapter three, verse 15. Our head can be thinking all kinds of things and yet we'll have this settled peace in our heart and it really acts to guide us and direct us so this week I happened to talk to um, a, a guy that I know, uh, another minister that I've known for many, many years, and he was talking about he was ministering to uh, just I don't know I think just last week ministering to a, a group to the staff at International Scripture Ministries, and uh, and he was telling me he was all excited, and he was he was telling me what he was ministering. It was all the same scriptures that God had put on his heart about the gospel of peace. About the fact that we have peace with God. We read some of these verses last week. You know, we sing about this continuously this time of year, but this is something that's available to us all the time. Let me just remind you of a couple of them. Luke chapter 2, verse 14, the, the angels said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward man. And we brought out the fact that it doesn't say I want you to really understand me this morning. It doesn't say peace or goodwill between men, okay? It says goodwill toward men. It is goodwill. What it's talking about there is God's goodwill, his his pleasant thoughts and desires and purposes toward men. People, it is this is this is what he established was goodwill from God toward us because Jesus paid for all of the sin, and we can live in this place in this environment of peace with God, which produces something on the inside of us, and then certainly that enables us to live in peace with other people. But so much of the time these days, there's just this cultural thing going on where, when when people think about Christians and who we're supposed to be. Um we are we are supposed to i 'm trying to think of the best way to say this and not be misunderstood we 're supposed to be just peaceful, passive, have no opinion don't really stand on or for anything because it might upset somebody you know we 're supposed to no matter what no matter what goes on, we are supposed to just always be at peace with everyone. Paul says, and we'll probably look at this later. We'll see how far we get today. Paul says, live at peace with all men as far as it depends on you. As far as it depends on you. And we're gonna gonna talk about this, but I wanna show you this today. So we've spent a couple of weeks talking about the fact that, uh, for example, again, in Isaiah 54, it says, God speaking, says, for this is like the waters of Noah to me, As I have sworn that the waters of Noah, which were waters of judgment, right, would no longer cover the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you, for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed. Uh, We just heard Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born. To us, a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So the idea here and what we've been talking about, and I'll just stress it one more time, is that when the Bible talks about peace that passes all understanding, it begins with the knowledge that there is now. This is something God did not something we can change. From God's point of view, there is a state of peace between God and man. There is not a condition of wrath in God's heart. There is not a condition of anger. There is not a condition of judgment that was poured out on Jesus. However, that exists and it's available to everyone but we step into it by making Jesus Christ the Lord of our lives, accepting what he did at the cross for ourselves personally, then we enter into this place of peace with God. And what the the situation is, and let me, um, it might be better if I just read some of this from my notes. The situation is that the very fact that God made he made peace with man, and he made one way for us to enter that peace, and that's through Jesus Christ. He made one way. The very fact that he made one way sometimes causes division between people. And, and the scripture tells us this. Let's look at a, let's look at a couple of verses. Uh, let's start on on this side again. I want, in fact, I'm going to show you a couple of verses and we'll come back here and start picking some of this apart. This is what Jesus said. Peace I leave with you. My perfect peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. All right, so that's mainly what we have been talking about, how to receive that peace, how to hang on to that peace huddle, how to, how to distribute that peace to other people for the last couple of weeks. Uh, look at this verse. Oops. Oh, they changed the way this works. Thank you. Oh, looks good to you guys. Mess me up. Here we go. Uh, look at this verse, Matthew ten thirty-four. Jesus speaking, do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword of division between belief and unbelief. This is one of those places where people that, if they don't really study the Bible, particularly if they don't know the Lord and don't know his heart, don't have the Holy Spirit, they'll look at this and go, "Well, see the Bible just contradicts itself. The Bible's not contradicting itself. But Jesus is saying my primary purpose was not to establish peace between people on the earth. In fact, what I am doing, I came to, he says, I came to bring a sword. A sword is something that divides between one thing and another. And I want you you to think about this with me. I don't know if I'm saying it clearly enough. The very fact that God established peace between himself and mankind, he did it, okay? It's irrevocable. It's a covenant. From God's end, it ain't gonna change. And then the fact that he made one entrance into that peace, and that is by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He made one entrance into that peace. The very fact that he did it the way he did it also, at the same time, created a dividing line between belief and unbelief. And sometimes there is contention, sometimes there is division over that dividing line. Right after this, in in Matthew chapter 10, right after this, Jesus, in fact, since since we're being so happy this morning, let's read these happy verses. Uh, Matthew chapter 10. He came down earlier and he talked about the fact that we're responsible for what he shows us. We're responsible for the revelation he gives us. He says, uh, "In I think it's in verse 27, he says the things that, he says, what I say to you in the dark or privately, all right, in other words, the revelation he brings us, tell in the light publicly, what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim from the housetops to many people. So he's saying there, hang on to the things that I say to you, take those things to heart and live them out and proclaim them. Don't hide them away. I speak to you in private. You live that out in public. You speak that out in public. You live out of what I speak to you in private. All right, and he goes on down. He's telling them here, he says, he's talking to them about don't be afraid of people you know, who can, the worst they can do is kill your body. All right, your relationship with God is eternal. So so he's talking here about, and remember the first verse we, we read, I leave my peace with you and I don't give it like the world gives. I give you peace. And then he comes along and says, but there's going to be conflict. There are going to be people who oppose you. He, he talks in these verses about how, well, he talked back in, uh, in John, about how if if they love me, they'll love you. If they hated me, they'll hate you. all right, so he's my my point in this is to say the fact that we have this internal peace does not mean that there will never be a conflict in our life. It means that it equips us to walk through conflict we will see in the meaning of the scriptures, it means we will walk. We can walk through conflict with courage and with boldness and with security and without fear, without agitation. So he goes on here after verse 34. And, and again, this is just to make our day. These are refrigerator scriptures here. Uh, he says in verse 34, do not think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword of division between belief and unbelief. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies will be the members of his own household when one believes and another does not. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So again, lightweight scriptures for this morning, but my my point is we have we're we're living in a culture and a lot of the church will not discuss things like this at this point a lot of the church it's just about make everybody happy and get along and if that means we compromise you know some of you are going to be in family situations during the holidays where there there may be people there that absolutely despise you we've been through this because you walk with Jesus Christ and i am not saying this morning that god's will and purpose and best is not for his love to be in the middle of every one of those situations and for everyone on earth think about when when jesus returns and when when uh when heaven is Fully on earth. When there's a new earth and a new heaven, there isn't going to be strife. There isn't going to be anger. That is God's will and God's best. But I'm saying that right now, Jesus says that our allegiance to Him has to be first and has to be greater than our allegiance to anybody else. And that can be really hard to do when, number one, if you feel insecure about who you are, then it's hard to be able to just love somebody who isn't loving you back. But God's power and God's peace and God's grace and God's life can enable you to do that. And secondly, it can be a tough, it's 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 so easy for people to compromise what they believe about Jesus in order to make peace in the family or to in order to make peace at work or in order to make peace. And Jesus is clearly saying right here, I didn't come, When it says, I didn't come to bring peace on earth, that word bring actually means to force. It means to throw down upon. It means I didn't come to force peace between people. In fact, my very coming creates a sort of division. This is, and again, I realize I'm I'm saying these things over and over, but I think I need to. I definitely don't want to be misunderstood. This does not mean that, this doesn't give us permission to be mean. It doesn't give us permission to be ugly. It doesn't give us permission to be in people's face. We have responsibilities in all of this. We have responsibilities to live at peace with all men as far as we can, but also remember that some of it relies on them. As far as relationships, horizontal relationships. Some of it relies on them. Some of it, you're not going to be liked by every person. And if the reason that you're not being liked by somebody is because they're in opposition to your faith, then pray for them. Then pray that their eyes be opened. Don't be ugly. Don't argue. Don't do any of that. But don't compromise who you are and what you do and how you live. You know, I mean, those are just strong verses. And I mean, he mentions the most intimate relationships here, you know, between parents and children. You know, uh, mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. How come son-in-laws weren't in there? That's kind of, you probably need to think about that. <laughs> so yeah, that's right. You guys, you guys are cool. Uh, here, let's, let's go back. See if I can do this. Well, this time you worked and didn't give me any trouble. Uh, let's go back here to John 14. Let's look at let's look at this end of this again. Um, so Jesus says here, peace I leave with you, my perfect peace I give to you. The, the people he's talking to had seen him. Remember when he calmed the storm? Remember when he was asleep in the back of the boat during the storm, and all of them were terrified? That was a real situation. They all thought they were going to drown. You know, sometimes we read these stories and it's like so you know, it's it's like something we're watching on TV that we know is make-believe or something. No, these were real people. And this was a real situation, and they were really terrified, and Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat. That's the peace of God. And then he stood up and he spoke peace to the wind, which was the invisible force behind what they could see coming against the boat, the waves. And he spoke peace to that wind, be still, and release that peace and change the situation. They experienced that. They knew that's his peace that he's talking about. They watched him stand on the edge of a cliff with a whole village there ready to throw him over because of what he had been preaching, and he just walked through the midst of them. He didn't have an escape route down the cliff. He didn't go around. He, he walked right through the middle of them. That was the peace of God. It was there for confrontation. It was valid. It was powerful in confrontation. And it allowed him, he also didn't strike them all dead and then walk through them. You know, Jesus walked over the bodies. You know, it wasn't, that's not the story. He just, the peace of God protected him. It surrounded him and it enabled him with his head up and with confidence to just walk through enemies he he didn't in that instance he didn't rebuke him he didn't so these guys here in John fourteen he's telling them it's my peace that I give to you, and we've already talked about how that means to bequeath it means to to will it to someone and he says, not as the world gives, he doesn't give the way the world gives. Jesus only promises what he is both able and willing to give. And and people, we hardly ever get stuck on able. We know God is able to release peace into my heart and my life. We know God is able to heal my body. We know God is able to, to fix whatever the situation is in our in our life that we're facing. We know God's able. Where we start to lose confidence and where many people make up really bad doctrines, is the willing part. It's, well, is it is it his will? And yeah, I know he did it for somebody else, but is it his will to do it for me? Well, if the scripture says that he died on the cross for it, that he provided it for you, then it is his will. It would make absolutely no sense for him to send his son to the cross and die for something for you and then put that thing on your life. That makes no sense. God doesn't act that way. He, is, he promises what he is both able and willing to provide. And he tells them, I don't give like the world gives. The world gives and they take it back. The world gives and, you know, they don't mean it, whatever. He, he draws that dividing line. He says, I don't give that way. And then, and then he tells them, he gives them this instruction, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. And, he, you know, here again, this is one of these, when we see the words, do not let, that puts some responsibility on us. If we are going through life, we believers, okay? We have a relationship with God. We have the word. We have the Holy Spirit. We have people around us that love us and will pray for us. If we are going through life fearful and agitated and bouncing from one thing to another and and never sure of ourselves, never sure of what's coming, if we are going through life like that, that's our fault, okay? It's our fault. He says, "Do not let your heart be troubled." This this word troubled means don't let it be disturbed, don't let it be stirred up. It's just stirred up. The same term was used uh, uh, at at the pool where the uh, they would said that the the angels would come and stir up the waters and the waters would bubble up and, and bubble over and all of that. You know, you can think of a hot tub with all the jets on. I mean, that's kind of the picture of this pool. Same word. Don't let your heart be in that condition, just foaming up and bubbling up. Do not let. He says, I've given you my peace. I've willed you my peace. Remember what my peace is like? I'm giving it to you. So do not let your hearts be troubled and neither let them be afraid. That term afraid means fearful, of course, timid or insecure. We don't have to go through our whole life in insecurity and and that's not something most of us choose. We all have insecurities we all do and But it's not something we usually choose. It's something we developed somehow somewhere along the way we developed an insecurity, maybe we went through some failures, maybe it was the way we were treated as kids, maybe. You know, who knows? But we develop insecurities. We're just not sure. We're not confident about ourselves. And we do all kinds of things. We put up all kinds of fronts. We we run from things. We do all kinds of things based on insecurity. And, and they're not good. But he says we don't have to live that way. If we can bring that to the Lord and say, you know me. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, God. I have this insecurity. I have a really difficult time in these kinds of situations. The Lord can send his grace. Again, he only promises what he's able and willing to give. And it's his grace, his grace. It's not up to us to fix this stuff. It's just up to us to submit it to him and recognize what was promised. Recognize something better was promised. And Lord, I know this is your will for my life, that I not, my heart not be troubled, not be afraid. And so I choose that even with this whole situation that's in front of me, and and it's difficult, and I don't have the answers, I will not allow my heart to remain troubled, agitated, fearful, worried, angry, you know, insecure. This means lacking boldness, lacking confidence, or determination, which really is determination allows us to be enduring in our boldness. It enables us. And he says, don't let there be a lack of determination in your life. I'm feeling like, at least for today, that's about the determination to live in peace. It's about the determination in my heart to get past what holds me back, past what makes me fearful, past what makes me angry and worried. There are lots of things to deal with in life. There's Again, I just, I wish I could just get this out once and feel like I got it out there. This piece is for conflict. This piece is for confrontation. This piece is for, it came out of Jesus in the middle of a storm. It came out of Jesus when there was a crowd going to throw him off a cliff. It'll rise up in you when there's something to deal with in this life that is not right and it is negative and yes, again, us having His peace doesn't mean, oh, I'm just Mr. Passive and I just don't have any opinions. And and no, you can stand up for what is right, but you can do it with the peace of God instead of doing it with anger and vengeance and and insult. And you know, uh, the way that things go, again, it affects the way we speak. It affects the way it affects our countenance. It affects the way we respond on the internet. It it affects all of those things. We can we can take our stand. We can do what we need to do with the peace of God. He says, "Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance, in every circumstance, and give you courage and strength for every challenge." You getting anything out of this? So, we've we've quoted this verse a few times, and I just want to pick it apart a little bit for you this morning. John 16.33 says, I've told you these things so that in me me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. He says, you're going to have it, okay? But be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of the power to harm you and have conquered it for you. So he says, I've told you these things. This is coming down to the end of, of as most of you know, John, John chapters 13, 14, 15, 16. And he's come down and he says, look, I've told you all this. So what did he tell them? He told them a lot of things. Go home and read those chapters. Start in chapter 12 and read down through all of that, including uh, chapter 17. But, but so he had been informing them he's going to go to the cross the next day and they were you know they were on the passover table it was that that night when he spoke all of this and he told them i'm going away okay that was a big deal to them as we can imagine that was a big deal i'm going away but he also told them i'm going away but i'm going away to make a place for you and and the the language that he used there is wedding language. It is language that was used in uh, Jewish culture at that time between a, a bridegroom and a, and a bride and uh, there was a betrothal and then he went away to make a place so that when they got married, he had the place to take her and they could be there together. And that's what he's saying to them. So he's giving them, he's saying, I'm going to go away but I'm going to make a place for you, okay? So, you know, while that would be distressing, there was good news to it too. He said, I'm going away, but I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit to you and actually it's gonna be better for you when the Holy Spirit comes upon you than it was having me here in person. That had to be a mind blower, but still it is good news. I'm gonna make it even better even though I personally I'm going away. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He said, once the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to do the same works that I've been doing and even greater works. That's really good news, but I'm sure at the time it was still distressing and probably a little intimidating. You know, we're going to do the stuff you've been doing and greater works. We're still trying to work through that one, right? I know I know, I am. Um, he told them in those chapters, if my word lives in you, and you live in my word, you'll be able to ask whatever you will and it'll be done for you because we'll have this incredible dynamic relationship, this vine and branches relationship. He told them all of these different things, but he also told, so there's all of this good that he's laying on them for for that time. But in John 15, 18, he says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If, you, if they kept my word, they will keep yours also. So he made it really clear to them they were going to face opposition uh, in, in the world. So he laid out both sides of this very clearly. Let me just read this to you. If Christ's peace, let me back up. Jesus provides a peace that empowers believers to boldly carry out their assignment without fear, agitation, or worry in the face of opposition. Okay, some of that opposition comes from people, some just comes from life, some comes you know just from the circumstances of life. It's not some individual or group that's specifically opposing you. Some of it you know, honestly, some of it comes from within us, some of it comes from family it, you know it comes different ways, but we all face opposition. Some of it comes from the devil. The devil's always going to resist the gospel, you know this is he's trying to describe to us the life that we're going to lead and with a provision that he's made for it. But if his peace, if giving us peace, meant that there would no longer be any conflict, okay? Or if we were to view a lack of conflict, everybody getting along, everybody loves me. If we were to view that as the only genuine evidence of God's presence in something. Get what I mean? If if we were to say, well, unless there's perfect peace between everybody and everybody's happy, and everybody, you know, just loves each other and nobody has a disagreement, if that was to be the perfect manifestation of God's presence and God's blessing, we wouldn't have needed the kind of peace that He's talking about we wouldn't have needed a peace that gives us boldness and confidence and empowers us to go out and live and distribute the gospel and the life of God. We wouldn't have needed it because everybody would just love each other. That's not real life on planet Earth. Why am I saying all this? Because I'm seeing more and more and more people, my friends that I've known for many decades, turning to what they call a gospel that is all about just getting along, not making any waves, not saying anything that upsets anybody. Jesus is just one who just loves everything we do. Whoever we are, he he approves of all of that. There's no need for any change in anybody. We we just need to get along. We just need to uh, avoid every kind of, of conflict, whatever you want to believe is the truth, that's your truth. Whatever I want to believe is the truth, that's my truth, and we just live with that. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it was you know and I'm sorry it would be kind of nice if it was that way. it isn't, and again, it doesn't mean we're out there to fight with people it does, it means we are out there to follow him, and not everybody agreed with him, and not everybody liked him, and not everybody still does. But we have the choice. Do we follow him and live for him and allow things like his peace, his grace, his love to change us and enable us to love people? Really, I mean it. Not just put on the little Sunday love. I mean, love people. Have a heart for people in the midst of disagreement that is a supernatural manifestation of the love of God. There's not a one of us can pull that off on our own and in our flesh for very long. But we can do it in him without compromising who we are. And we've all got to make decisions. Remember what we read out of Matthew chapter 10. He started out saying, adhere, I'm I'm paraphrasing, adhere yourself to whatever I have revealed to you. What has God revealed to you so far in your walk? That's what you and I are responsible for. And if we are compromising what we know to be the truth and what we believe to make peace in the family or peace at work or or peace on the internet or whatever it might be, then we are going to end up deceived is the problem. We are going to go down a path to where we are ineffective. We We are not moving in the life and the power of God anymore. Um, Let me just go over here and look at this. There were a couple other things I wanted to bring out of this, this verse. So in order, and let me read to you again, Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Paul writing, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. All right? As far as it depends on you, what that means is we have a responsibility in every relationship and in every interaction to walk in uh, walk in God's nature, okay? So that means as far as it depends on me, if you want to fight, if you want to argue about everything, I'm not into arguing. I would love to sit down over a cup of coffee and have a discussion. We may not agree. That's okay. But if it's just this, you know, this, you know, kind of, kind of drive by accusation type stuff, I'm not going to sit there and argue with you about something, especially on the internet. It's so dumb. I've done plenty of it. I know how dumb it is. Uh, But in every interaction, we have a responsibility. And so to genuinely love people it's going to require us to learn how to forgive first of all forgive others forgive ourselves okay if we're going to heal up relationships we've got to be able to work in forgiveness and that means i've got to i've got to first really have a revelation of what he has forgiven me when i realize what he has forgiven me i can't not forgive someone i may not want to forgive them with every fiber of my being I'm not going to, I'm not. he's not going to uh, Vulcan mind meld me and make me forget everything that happened or what that person did it isn't going to happen. But he can take the sting out of those situations, those words, all of that, so that we can genuinely, again, by his empowering grace, we can forgive. We can let him go, okay? If I'm going to have, there's going to be peace this direction, I can receive this peace, but now if I'm going to spread it, I got to know how to forgive. I've got to know, I'll say it this direction. I've got to know how to love people with unconditional love. In order to love people with unconditional love, I have to receive God's unconditional love for me. You know, it it says, love Him. We love Him because He first loved us. And the instruction is, love God first and love your neighbor as yourself, okay? I've got to do what we just read in Philippians. I've got to start thinking of others' interests as actually more important, not even on equal level. I've got to think of other people before I act. I've got to think of other people before I speak. Remember when we were talking about ceasing uh, from strife and ceasing from fretting a couple of weeks ago, that word meant to To stop speaking. I can't tell you how many times if I can just make myself shut up. And usually shut up is this these days, shut up and pray and pray for that person, knowing how much God loves him, what he did for him. If I can pray, he will change my heart to where it's miraculous. I can be really mad at somebody and think what they did was just terrible, and yet I can have an overriding love for that person that makes all that other stuff irrelevant. It's the grace of God. It's an amazing thing. We've got to know how to forgive. We've got to know how to love. We've got to begin to set other people. We've got to just develop the habit of thinking of other people's interests before we do things or say things. It's, that is, you know, that whole chapter in Philippians chapter 2, it's talking about take the attitude of Christ. We've got to learn how to let go of offense. It, it is our responsibility, if possible, as far as it depends on you. Okay, what depends on me? It's. it's I, I understand I can't force this to happen, but it's my responsibility to reject strife, offense, and bitterness, to not let it into my heart, not let it rule on the inside of me. It is my responsibility to refrain from accusation and from gossip, which is just a vehicle for spreading strife. It is my responsibility when I'm offended, when I'm dealing with an offense, not to go and gather all my friends and try and drag them into my offense with me. That's my responsibility. The peace of God and the love of God, it's available to me, but that part, that is my responsibility. And I'll just wrap this up just saying this. When when two people, and we talk about this a lot when we're dealing with couples with married couples or pre premarital couples it boils down to and i think this is true of every relationship for christians we can have a good relationship as long as two things jesus is in the middle okay and jesus is lord we're willing to change in other words if he's lord then if you and I disagree, but we know Jesus is Lord, then number one, we are well aware Jesus loves that person just as much as he loves me. And there's every bit as much of a a potential for me to be the one who's not wrong. Probably we're both wrong. If we are Christians and we are willing to change, and we are we are not just bent on having our own way, but we are willing to pray it through until the Lord can speak to both of us, we can always go forward together. We can even go forward together in certain things where we end up, we don't fully agree on this, but you know what? Love supersedes it, doesn't matter. We agree on who he is and where he's calling us to be, okay? We can live at peace with everybody who's willing if we keep the Lord in the center and we don't just live for ourselves. So I I say all of that to try and, you know, today again of all days, uh, to kind of take the harder line on this, that yeah, the peace of God, we live in a covenant of peace. It is established in the blood of Christ. It will never change. It is irrevocable from God's side. It is a done deal. Every one of us can live in it by keeping Jesus as lord in our life. That means let him make decisions. Let him, in, you know, determine, dictate for last, lack of a better word, and really do it that way our direction in life. We can enter into that place of peace. Then we can start releasing that into situations and all these other elements begin to come into it. But just realize, yep it's all, that vertical peace is established. That doesn't mean you're not going to have any conflict in this life. We absolutely are. We absolutely are. And that peace will take you through it. Any, any type. All right. Let's just stand up and pray this morning. We'll be dismissed and go out and Never mind. I won't say it that way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. There was a, uh, before I pray, there was a, place in Albuquerque, I guess they're all over. What was that place called? Golden Corral. It was one of those it was one of those buffet places. It was not the greatest food either, but anyway, several of our yeah, several of our friends called that the hog trough. Let's go to the hog trough after church. Anyway, that's not what we're doing today. We're far above that. Father, we thank you, Lord, so much. Once again, Father, I thank you for the covenant in which we live. And I thank you for the grace of God that empowers every one of us to live beyond our own emotions, to live beyond our own, uh, just our own flesh and our, our own ways the habits that we've learned. Lord, we turn it all over to you. And we thank you that the Holy Spirit is in us working with the word of God to change who we are and make us more like you. And Father, I pray for, for everybody. Uh, this listening this morning, especially at this time, really, especially at this time where the devil loves to break up relationships, devil loves to cause problems in family, loves to make it just not the way it's supposed to be. Father, I pray, Lord, for all of us, we'd be able to walk in your peace and we'd be able to release your peace and distribute your peace everywhere we go. For people that are going to family situations that are difficult, I pray that as they go into that place, the peace of God comes upon that home and there is joy and there is rest and there is peace in that place while they are there. I thank you, Father, for places, Lord, if our hearts need to change toward somebody, toward an individual, toward whatever, Lord, we we give that to you. We ask you, Father God, to transform us on the inside so that we can live differently on the outside. And we thank you for it. I just pray, Lord, as we go out and many of us travel and we go in these next few weeks, Father, I just believe we carry your life. We carry the seed of your word We carry your love and your peace into the world. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, yeah. We should pray over the food, especially after what I just said. Father, (laughs) I thank you, Lord, for the food that's out there. As we do gather together, Lord, first of all, I pray over the fellowship. God, that, Father, you would draw us together and knit us together more strongly as a family today. And Father, as we eat together, we do believe the food is blessed and that all of the hands, Lord, all of the effort that went into it, we thank you for that. We pray that the time would be multiplied back to people and that every bit of the food, Father, is blessed and healthy for our good use in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for reminding me. All right, let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison base in the world. We'll be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.